Hi, Bob. How are you? Very good. Good. And welcome, everybody, to Insight Peterborough, which is a uh, project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind. And uh, if you want to find out more about the CCB, all you have to do is send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. Maybe you can introduce. Uh, well, the we're going to play this uh, piece first. All right. Um, I will. I guess I can tell you that uh, we're going to be talking about a relaxed performance, a relaxed, accessible performance that's going to be taking place on March sixth. And uh, to kind of uh, introduce it, I thought it was appropriate to play a song by Buffy St. Marie. Can you remember the times that you have held your head high and told all your friends of your In books and in songs That we've been mistreated and wronged Over and over I hear those same words From you, good lady, and you, good man Well, listen to me if you care where we stand And you feel you're a part of these ones is lost The loser we know pays the cost But even when Germany fell to your hands Consider, dear lady Consider, dear man You left them their pride and you left them their land And what have you done Come about, Uncle Sam Or I still taking out Right now that the buffalo is gone is uh, the name of it. 
And uh, you'll see why I thought that was appropriate in a minute. Uh, we're going to be speaking with Eva Fisher and Victoria Moore Blakeney uh, from the Public Energy Arts uh, Performing Arts. Hi, ladies. How are you? Hi. Hello. I'm well, thank you. <laughs> Good. Now, on March 6th, um, you're presenting a relaxed and accessible performance of uh, the Chemical Valley Project. So, first of all, um, uh, Victoria, did you want to talk a little bit about what the performance, uh, what the, the play is about? Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. So, the Chemical Valley Project is by Broadleaf Theatre. So, they're based in Toronto, and it was created by Kevin Matthew Wong and Julia Hammond with dramaturgy and advisement by Vanessa Gray and Lindsay Beasy Gray. And it's an amazing piece. So it's um, what we call documentary theater. So it's a one-person show, and Kevin's a performer, and he's telling the story um, about learning about Canada's chemical valley. So Canada's notorious chemical valley near um, Sarnia and the Amjung First Nation. And um, the 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 piece is is very moving and it looks at um, a lot of key issues like environmental racism, uh, indigenous treaty light treaty rights, uh, what it means to be an ally or advocate as a non-indigenous person. So Kevin Wong is is not indigenous, but he was working closely with um, Vanessa Gray and and uh, Beezy Gray from the First Nation to build this theater piece. And um, yeah, it's a it's a really powerful performance, and I'm so excited for it to come to Peterborough and for it to be here as a relaxed performance. So this is a very special thing too. Yeah, and it's kind of appropriate now seeing that uh, the um, Wet'suwet'en uh, First Nation is uh, uh, has uh, a bit of a uh, difference with the uh, with the federal and provincial governments, eh? Exactly. Like, I think the piece couldn't be more timely in that it really talks about the importance of respecting Indigenous land rights. It talks about what does allyship mean? What does it mean to be an ally to Indigenous people in this contemporary moment? It asks a lot of hard questions um, and ab about Canada's environment, too, and what are we doing to protect or not protect um, our environment. And so, yeah, I think the timing in terms of what's happening politically right now is um, is spot on, and it's a chance for people to, to ask some hard questions, but also, you know, look at um, the issue with, you know, Kevin manages to find humor in it and to find, um, you know, real moments of, of emotion in his mm -hmm. journey that draw us in. All right. will, will there be uh, tickets available there? Yeah, so it's going to be at Market Hall, and tickets are available at, um, at the website. Tickets.markethall.org. Mm -hmm. Um, we have special underwage ticket pricing um, and accessible ticket pricing. So um, you can either get your tickets through the Market Hall for a rate of $15, including fees, or you can email me, eva at publicenergy.ca, if you require further um, accommodation. We want to make sure everyone who wants to see this piece is able to get out and do that. Mm -hmm. and, and is it a very long performance? 
Uh, no, it's not so long. It's about an hour long. There's actually two performances. So Friday, March 6th, there's going to be a 12.30 performance uh, matinee, which is great. We have some school groups coming in for that, which we're really excited about. Uh, and for some folks, it's much easier to get out during the day. So we're happy about that. There's also going to be a 7.30 p.m. Uh, performance. And both performances are followed by a Q&A with the artist, which is a great opportunity for audiences to ask questions about, you know, what inspired the artist to create the piece and, and how did they do it? There's some amazing projection work in this piece and you actually see um, Vanessa uh, and BZ Gray appear on Skype in the performance wow. and have conversations with Kevin. And, and so there's some really neat stuff. And so audiences are going to get a chance to, to ask questions after and find out how they put it all together. Well, I certainly hope that uh, you get a good response uh, from the public and the way that... Uh, as you say, the interest seems to be there now. Uh, I don't think that anyone today would say about vanishing race or vanishing peoples, as I think we may have thought in the past. Indigenous artists are so strong in this country and they're just making such incredible work and we've been really lucky um, over our past many seasons to have um, Indigenous artists or work about uh, Indigenous issues in almost all, all of our seasons actually and um, yeah there's just amazing things happening in this country by Indigenous artists we feel really lucky to be um, yeah, a part of it. Mm -hmm. So was it Kevin's idea uh, that it should be uh, a relaxed, accessible performance or yours? Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, with relaxed performances, it can go either way. Sometimes the artist creates the performance from the very beginning with the idea of it being a relaxed performance. And other times um, they create the performance and the presenter will say, okay, we have an idea. Let's make this a relaxed performance. Are you willing to modify things so that we can do that? In this case, we we're so lucky because Broadleaf Theatre created this from the very beginning. They wanted this to be an accessible performance. They wanted it to be a relaxed performance. Mm -hmm. um, so the original performance that happened uh, in Toronto um, had all of the accessible features that we'll have at this performance. So, And Eva can tell you about those. We're really excited about uh, ASL interpretation and a number of other things. Yeah. yeah, tell us, Eva. Okay, well, there will be ASL interpretation. We have both a deaf and a hearing interpreter who are going to be there and their names are Gaytree Persaud and Freya Rogue Benjamin. So Gaytree is actually um, a deaf musician. Um, she works with vibrations um, but she does interpreting as well um, and um, they are going to be um, at the performance. You'll see them like on the side of the stage interpreting everything that's going on. We'll also have interpretation at the box office and we'll have pen and paper for people who just prefer not to be verbal during that exchange. Um, there will be hearing assist headsets. Um, we definitely recommend email me, eva at publicenergy.ca to make sure that we set yours aside because there's a limited number, but we think we can accommodate you. Um, there will be the low-cost tickets, as I was mentioning. All of our performances, we have all-gender washrooms, um, so you can use whichever washroom accommodates you. Um, and on that note, you can look at our venue guide, which is available at publicenergy.ca. 
Um, it has shots of the inside of each of the washrooms. It explains in detail how to get to the market hall on public transit. It explains how to get in the building, how to use the elevator. Everything is there, so you can feel really prepared to go to the performance. Um, we also, if you go to that same web website, publicenergy.ca, we've done <laughs> a visual story. Hardly a plug. Yes. <laughs> well, I want you to remember the website because yes. there's just yeah. so much that you're going to be going there for. Yeah. So a visual story explains the performance and what people can expect from the performance. Um, so basically someone who wants to be familiarized with the show before they um, come into the theater. It goes through every step in detail. It includes things like, um, you know, people who work on the show so you'll know who to expect in the wings. Um, so we have a full visual story, which actually includes a lot of really interesting background on the show. And that's also at publicenergy.ca. So between those two pieces, the visual story and the venue guide, you'll get a really good feel for exactly what the space is going to be like and what's going to happen when you get there. Um, we also have complimentary earplugs. Sensory kits will be available at the front table. <laughs> um, so um, those sensory kits include earplugs. They include um, sunglasses or a visor. Um, there are fidget spinners, um, stress balls. So you can grab one of those on your way in. Um, there's a designated <coughs> quiet zone as well, so if for whatever reason you just need to get away from the performance, you can go there. That's in the lobby. Um, and we're asking, and everyone's got to be a part of this one, we're asking that everyone try to maintain a scent-free environment um, as well for those who have fragrance sensitivities. Um, and that is, that's the list, but it's, it's, it's the second time we've done one of these relaxed performances with enhanced accessibility measures. So if we're not covering something that you need, um, we really, really value that feedback. So um, you can email me again. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again, eva at publicenergy.ca, um, because we just want to make sure that um, we're just thinking about it from every angle that we can, and our audience is a really big part of that. So well, the last time that uh, you did this, was it uh, successful in your point of view? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. The, the last relaxed performance was um, by a theater group called Ahuri Theater, and it was called This is the Point. Um, love, disability, and sexuality. And it was an amazing performance. And um, yeah, it was really great. It was wonderful to have it as a relaxed performance. The thing that's so special about relaxed performances is that um, you can come to the theater space and all are welcome and you come as you are and you can be however you want or need to be in that space. So by that I mean um, you can get up and leave at any time in the performance if you need to for whatever reason. No one will shh you if you have something to say to the person next to you during a performance. Um, if you need to get up and shift in your seat or get up and stretch, no one will um, give it a second glance. It's a really open and welcoming space. And, and the other thing that's really special about it is all of the visual and sound cues of the performance have been modified um, 
to keep in mind folks um, that have um, sensitivities to um, various stimulus. So there are no um, loud, jarring noises, or if there are, someone on stage will warn you that that's coming. Um, the lights don't go all the way to the top and they don't go all the way to the bottom. So there's no blackouts, which can be really disorienting for folks. Um, and uh, there's always some house lights on so the audience can see each other. And, um, and any major lighting or sound cues, there's a warning ahead of time. So the goal originally for um, relaxed performances was really to make performances accessible to folks on the autism spectrum as well as um, any sort of uh, sensory sensitivity uh, and then it just expanded and grew from that and so you know um, parents with babies strollers you name it like we want everyone to come to the theater space and feel comfortable there but no smoking or vaping maybe <laughs> well, that's true. We do have to say no smoking. Right, because yes. no that's a scent. That's right. We're trying to maintain exactly. a scent-free environment. Yeah. Now, have folks. you been able to uh, get some other sponsors or uh, other uh, people from Peterborough, like the maybe the Lions or some other folks that might wish to help you in some way? We've actually been really lucky. We have a, an accessibility sponsor uh, for this performance, the, the Lloyd Carr Harris Foundation. And so they've um, been able to um, give us money through the foundation to cover the cost of the interpreters. It's quite costly to have simultaneous uh, interpretation during a theater performance. Yeah. And there's two interpreters and they're doing two shows um, sort of back to back. It's quite a bit of work and they need mm -hmm. to be familiar with the performance beforehand course to do it um, and to do it well so so this um, this uh, donation from the foundation this contribution has helped us with that and a number of the other accessibility measures so we're really grateful and we're also lucky to have a lot of local season sponsors so um, BMO, BMO Wealth Management the Shepherd Wealth Management team Joe Pilon sales rep with Royal LePage Hiho Silver CoworthaNow.com and we design have all come in to help us with our full season of performance. Well, that, that sounds like a lot of help, really. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it takes a village for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, now uh, the uh, visual aspect of it, there there probably wouldn't be any video description during the show. So, is that why you're recommending that people have a look at the backgrounders on the website? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's really that's something that we're really working on um, because um, the thing is that audio description equipment is very very expensive. Mm -hmm. Ideally, we would love to be able to offer audio description during a performance, um, but it's it's difficult. So we're actually um, starting work on a pilot program to look at options for that. Yeah, um, and that's something we're planning to offer for our emergency performance in April. But unfortunately, that's somewhere where we're we're currently just falling a bit short on that. Okay. Well, any kind of uh, uh, public address systems can run you into an awful lot of money, and especially when you have a big hall such as Market Hall there. Mm -hmm. Just just while I think of it, there's a group in Vancouver called Vocal Eyes. You might want, and, and they do um, description mm -hmm. out there. You might want to uh, check uh, that out. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether it's vocalized.ca 
probably. I, I could certainly find out for you. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. been looking at the possibility of using conference calling equipment as a way of doing audio description <laughs> on the cheap, but I think yeah. it's something I really need to consult with the community about. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, you know, from your listeners' perspective, if anyone has any ideas, we definitely welcome those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, <laughs> they can uh, check out the website, and you were talking about what the stage is going to look like and and all of that sort of stuff and what's mm-hmm. happening in the wings and mm-hmm. that sort of thing so we could uh, have a look at that on the uh, webs on your website and um, and uh, familiarize ourselves with that mm-hmm. do you have uh, a further schedule of other programs like this coming along in the near future we sure do um, <laughs> and you will find that at publicenergy.ca <laughs> yeah so yeah. so we present a, a full season of contemporary dance theater and interdisciplinary performance so starting um in the fall usually in september going until about may so we have a number of performances um coming up after this in terms of relaxed performances um there will be another one uh, next year and i can't say what it is yet because we don't have the contract <laughs> signed by the artist all right. yet at all confirmed but i'm really excited about it. But good. it'll be worth anyone's while to take part. Yes. I would say yeah, that. Absolutely. Now, absolutely. you made my ears perk up, though, when you said something about emergency in April. Yeah. So, do you know about the Emergency Festival? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> So the Emergency Festival is a festival of work by, it's all local artists' work. So ah. it's really exciting, and you get to see the newest, most sort of cutting-edge dance and theater uh, work that people are doing. And they're mostly short works, so about 10 minutes long. And we'll have a program at Market Hall and a program at the Theatre on King. Um, and there, it's two days' worth, so you'll have a, a different times where you can watch the different programs. But it's everything from... Um, sort of theater, more spoken word performance pieces to, you know, dance pieces, group pieces, solos. Um, There's a real mix and it really shows what artists are working on right now, what concerns they have, what they're excited about, um, and, you know, what what are the local stories that that people want to want told. So we're very excited. That happens every two years. So we're really excited that that's coming. When we were talking a little bit uh, before we came on air here, you were talking about some of the artists, local artists, some artists from not really local, but maybe quite far away. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you might want to speak to that. Sure. So the season, um, our season combines, you know, work by local artists, as I've said, and also national artists, so artists from across the country. Chemical Valley Project on March 6th is by Broadleaf Theatre. They're based in Toronto. They're an interesting company because their whole company is dedicated um, to... um, the environment and environmental work so all of their shows are based on that theme they even have a carbon offset in their their contract and all that and they're really they're a really special company um in may uh we're partnering with showplace um for a performance called inward by ebb and flow they're a street dance company based out of montreal that do amazing work and um yeah so we're really lucky to be able to present artists from across the country from you know vancouver and BC as well, um, and a lot of Indigenous artists, Anishinaabe artists, uh, local artists, as well as artists from across um, the country. Uh, last year, we were excited to present um, uh, Indigenous artists from 
very far away from Juki Mala, um, indigenous artist based in Australia, wow. as well as uh, Victoria Hunt, who's a Maori artist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That would have been interesting. Yeah. 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 Different culture, different place, and right here in Peterborough. I know, yeah. I know. It, it is exciting, and, and sometimes um, it works out that the visiting artists can collaborate with local artists here at the same time and do something together. And we're really excited. There's something like that happening next fall um, in October. It's a piece called Svaha, and it's a classical Indian dance piece by Nova Dance in Toronto. But they're coming and they're actually going to work with classical Indian trained dancers in Bharatnatyam here in Peterborough. Peterborough has oh. a growing Indian population and, um, and a bunch of artists. And uh, so we're really excited about that. And um, those artists are going to perform on stage alongside um, the other dancers and uh, yeah it's going to be a very special piece. I'm All sure right. that there might be some uh, students in uh, Trent University we very interested in seeing some of the work that you're presenting there at whatever venue because I, th I, I think that they have studies on indigenous uh, subjects here at Trent. Absolutely. We do a lot of partnering with the, the Cheney Wenjack School uh, for Indigenous Studies. Um, the Mush Hole by Santi Smith Kahawi Dance Theatre came in November and that was a partnership that was curated by Patty Shaughnessy and uh, was a partnership with the, the School of Indigenous Studies up at Trent. And, um, and yeah, Trent has a lot of really engaged uh, students that we've been, that we always try to come out to the, get out mm -hmm. to the performances. It's hard, hard to get students out sometimes, yeah, but bet. when they do, it's wonderful when they do come out. Yeah. And if you are a Trent student, um, a number of departments have arranged for a special discount for Trent students, so you should check with your department. Um, you may well be eligible for a special rate for the Chemical Valley Project. Cool. And we should say, too, that there are a number of Trent departments that have also um, contributed to the Chemical Valley Project to this piece. So um, sustainability studies at Trent and a number of other departments that we're incredibly grateful for who've also passed that on to their students. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, Friday, March 6th, um, 1230 and 730, yes? Perfect. Yeah, okay. At Market Hall. At Market Hall, okay. And you better make another plug. What is that email address again? <laughs> Um, my email address is eva at publicenergy.ca, so touch base with me if you have any further questions, or you can go to our website, which is publicenergy.ca. Well, thank you very much. Yes. Thank Th you. It's, thank it's you. really been our pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And all the best of luck uh, with that uh, performance. And do keep in touch. We uh, will. Yeah. I mean, put our insight uh, peterborough at gmail.com. Put that uh, in your uh, database or whatever. Absolutely. Keep... We'll, we'll let you know about next year's la yeah. uh, relaxed performance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'll be great. All right. Uh, in a couple of minutes, we're going to be talking about age-related macular degeneration awareness month, which is just about finished. So I'm glad we got it in. Uh, first, Bob, though, yeah. let's hear... Um, Hmm. I've got a I've got a seniors moment. How about Jeff Healy? Well, that okay. works. Yeah. Would that be, would Angel that work? eyes. Yes. All right. Let's, let's Jeff do that. Healy went to the same school that I did in Brantford, but many many years later. And a great musician. Yes. All the way through. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> 
All right, and that was Jeff Healy with Angel Eyes. Um, I had thought about doing uh, Burton, uh, no, it's a guess who with these eyes, but uh, anyway, uh, Jeff, uh, as I say, um, was uh, someone who was blind and went to what I knew as the Ontario School for the Blind, and he would have known as the W. Ross McDonald School. So anyway, as I was saying earlier, this is AMD Awareness Month, and um, I was lucky to get a chance to have a chat with Maureen Summers, who is the low vision specialist at our uh, local office of the uh, CNIB. And so um, uh, she explains all about AMD to us. All right. Hi there, Maureen, and thanks so much for agreeing to be on the program. You're very welcome. So um, this is Macular Degeneration Month, AMD, actually age-related Macular Degeneration Month. Yeah. And the, the one thing that I've never quite been able to get my head around, Maureen, what is the difference between the macula and the retina? symptoms of macular degeneration? Well, in the early stages, perhaps none. And that's why, you know, one of the main things is have your regular eye checks. But, uh, and they certainly, I mean, the number of times I've asked someone to cover one eye and they, they go, oh, what has happened? I can't see anything. They were not aware, Devin, wow. that they were not seeing out of one eye. Really? Wow, isn't that interesting? I know. The other eye compensates. Oh, they're not getting the detail. I mean, I'm sure if they had no vision, they may, hopefully they would have noticed. Yes. And, um, so it, it, it may be nothing. It may be when they have that uh, an eye exam, hopefully, that it may be mentioned. You know, it's early stages. I don't know how often the, the eye doctor will say if it's just kind of within normal, it's normal, it's just normal aging. But often they will say, you know, there's some changes and it's it's dry and hope they'll give them, you know, suggestions of helping them uh, to slow it down. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But there's no kind of distortion at that stage. Um, you know, this would be the early stages, but okay. that, yes. And, of course, the, you know, family history is, is one of, you know, one of the main reasons that one might get this, their, their lifestyle, their, their age, obviously age is a big factor, the, you know, that instance increases with every year of life, with every decade of life, so, um, yeah. Okay, is it always related to age? 
No, no. <coughs> I mean, it depends. You know, there can be early. I mean, someone could be diagnosed at 50 as opposed to at 70, but it is age, yes. I mean, there's. you've probably heard of Stargardt's disease, which is more of a macular dystrophy, but that's a hereditary factor that hits children and the youth when it's first diagnosed. So it's not not the same thing. Yes, it's, it's certainly more in later life, but that could be earlier, later life as opposed to, you know, later, later life. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, I heard you mention dry um, earlier. Uh, I understand that there are two types of AMD. Dry and the wet. So, you know, macular degeneration is chronic. It, it is age-related degenerative disease. And, uh, but of course, it can become wet. And sometimes, I mean, someone might not know that they even had dry until they have an episode of wet. And wet is definitely something you would notice right away. Uh, you know, severe loss of vision, distortion, and that would be, you know, you wouldn't wait to, oh, I ha I'm seeing my doctor in two weeks, I'll just wait. No, you would not wait. That would be in an emergency. And there's always ophthalmologists who are on call, on call to deal with that. Um, so, yes, that's the wet. And, it, you know, you can have the dry for many, many years, and it may remain dry always, but that can become wet. And um, there's a more severe loss, even although there's treatment for the wet. And some people will say to me, well, maybe I, it would be good if I had wet, there's treatment. But you don't want wet, and certainly not. No. no what makes those it? needles in the eye, which sounds awful, but patients tell me it's really, they're not even aware that, that, that the treatment happens. Wow. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the wet, that's the wet, the dry and the wet. So what makes it wet? What makes it wet? Well, um, it, it, it progresses to that. It can progress to that, and it's um, it's really bleeding in the eye, and uh, it's just new blood vessels are formed, but they're not really true blood vessels. They're weak walls, and then I guess the body is saying we need more oxygen because we get the oxygen from our capillaries. But these are not true blood vessels, and, uh, you know, it's going through the, that stage of dry where there's some ischemia there, the, the back of the eye is not getting enough um, oxygen to the eye, so the body is making these blood vessels that, as I mentioned, are not really true blood vessels. The, these blood vessels with the weak walls will break, the walls will break, then you get this fluid and blood, and that's the wet. Okay. Which is more likely to rob vision then? Would it be the wet? The wet, definitely. It's a much more aggressive, and that would account for, you know, when I read about this and I'll say percentages, you know, the, the loss of vision, I mean, it may only be, say, 15% of cases, but it will rob the vision in perhaps 90% of people as opposed to the dry. Now, the dry is going to progress, but depending when you got it and how long, many years you've got to, for it to progress, definitely. But as you know, probably, it's affecting the central vision. People are left with peripheral vision, very useful vision. They're just not seeing that detail. Okay. So uh, I, I take it that not too many would, would be left totally blind. That's 
right. I mean, unless other factors hit the eye, like a glaucoma or a diabetic retinopathy, if we're just talking about that, they're not totally blind. They may be legally blind, but they're not. They've got very useful vision. And as you know, for getting around and not bumping into things and, uh, you know, doorways, whatever, they're seeing things to the side. And we, sh we talk about using that peripheral vision as best you can, you know, scanning and, you know, road crossings, as you know, uh, you know, for safety. So just being able to, to get about more easily independently. Yes. So what is the treatment for AMD? Well, it's, it's pretty much lifestyle. It's, you know, c controlling blood pressure, weight, eating a healthy diet, UV protection, you know, your sunglasses. People I see have gone for years, even say farmers who are well into their, you know, 80s and have never, ever worn a pair of sunglasses, mm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just good, good lifestyle, having your eyes checked regularly, um, you, taking supplements according to what your doctor suggests. You know, there's something called Vitalix, Vitalux which is part of the macular degeneration study, and taking those supplements. Um, the diet would be, you know, leafy greens and colorful fruits and vegetables and salmon, not too much red meat. You know, the things we all know, but we don't always adhere to Devon. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, know, you know, just having a good lifestyle, good healthy yes. lifestyle. And uh, carrots? <laughs> carrots are good. The carotene, definitely carrots, yes. I mean, if you think about on your plate, have as many colors as possible. You know, the blueberries and the carrots and the oranges and the red and yellow peppers. and. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just having a good variety. And those leafy greens are excellent. Right. Yes. And is there any way of preventing uh, the disease? Not, not really. You know, there isn't really, um, no one really knows a single cause. I mean, a combination of hereditary, so we're stuck with our parents, environmental factors and, you know, things like the smoking, the diet, your age, we can't control that. So there, there really isn't. No, just a healthy lifestyle. It's a healthy lifestyle. And as I say, we're, women are more effective than men. And often when I look at that, I, I wonder if they're, you know, if women are living longer than men. Is that also taken into account? I hope it is. But um, being female, certain ethnicities will be more affected with this. Actually, Caucasians, like you and I, are more affected. And women, like you and I, would be more affected. So... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because there's certainly other eye diseases like glaucoma that are the people of African descent are more affected by that. Ah. So just um, being aware of that and talking to people, you know, that, you know, parents and grandparents or, you know, even if the grandparent isn't around that generation, what was going on with them, you know, just to know, because we don't always know family history. People didn't always talk about it, did they? No, that's true. They, they hid a lot of things. Or if someone died at a younger age that would have had that, yeah. would have that either. So. And is there anything else that um, I should be asking you about for people's benefits? Well, I think one of the things that came up that I was reading recently was, and I, and I 
not have stress is such a big um, thing in our lives, isn't it? Not just, you know, it said it wasn't just a cause, but perhaps a consequence. Ah, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, nothing else, really. I, you know, I'm surprised, though, at people, even when they're coming to see me, Devon, they don't know a lot about it. You know, one would think if they, maybe if they don't, aren't online, that the family are online and could read up about this. And a lot of people maybe just don't want to know. Yes. That's, that's what I feel, because they really don't know. It's like people not wanting to know what's in the future for them. They don't, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they'll say, well, the doctor doesn't have time, and they're right, but, you know, the doctor, I mean, they're so busy. Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, they could certainly find out a bit more about it. Maybe they feel, well, well, I've already been diagnosed too late now, but no, it's not too late. You can slow the progression by, you know, lifestyle changes, definitely. Yes. With a, 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 a white brimmed hat and having your sunglasses on and, you know, taking a walk every day. And that, talking about stress, I think that getting out every day for a walk just around the block, you always feel better when you get back. That's true, yes. You know, mm -hmm. if you sat home and you're not one that sits home, Deb, and I know, <laughs> but you know that that wouldn't be good for you, would it? Oh, no, no. That would create a whole lot more stress. A whole other stress, yeah. You always feel better. It's an effort to make that move, but... You have to do it and just start small, and um, yeah, it will definitely help. But I mean, I know there's a lot that's in people's lives. Yes. Many things, but yeah. Um, yeah, and just, just the lifestyle changes, and most definitely having eye checks. 100% having eye checks. Right. Every uh, two years they do it now? Every two, yes. I mean, you know, that age group up to 65, up to 64, are paying for eye exams. And that could be a reason it's for some people they're not doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, if the doctor said, well, I want to see you sooner. And that's not necessarily a full eye exam. That's just to be checked. Yes. So, um, for whatever condition they're being checked for. But definitely have that done. You know, we... We, what's a hundred dollars or whatever that check is? We could soon squander a hundred dollars away quite easily on things that we don't really need, and that you can't put a price on that eye exam, can you? No, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, thanks so much for uh, giving us some of your time there, Maureen. It was nice to. And that was uh, Maureen Summers, who is the uh, local low vision specialist here in uh, the Peterborough area talking talking about um, AMD Awareness Month. I'm glad that I um, saw that online, Bob, or it would have gone right by me. Well, uh, you know what? Uh, you've been so active uh, getting not only really great guests here, uh, but finding people and programs that we can use here on Insight Peterborough that can help inform people and inform us as well. Yeah, well, and uh, I, I do try to look uh, around for awareness days and weeks, and uh, <clears throat> we hope to have more um, uh, people that uh, want to share about their hobbies and uh, 
if they're starting uh, new businesses or anything like that, um, if uh, you have a, a disability and uh, you have something to share with us, uh, by all means, uh, contact, contact us at InsightPeterborough at gmail.com. <clears throat> the other thing I found out, uh, Bob, uh, February 27th, I, I got so excited about this when I found out about it and then so disappointed, and I'll tell you why. Um, February 27th is Anosmia Awareness Day. Wow. And anosmia is the lack of a sense of smell. And, total lack? Yeah, well, not necessarily uh, total or or partial. All right. Uh, and uh, there was a, a website, and I looked that up, and uh, there was an email address, and I emailed the person, the name that was given, and uh, I was, uh, I said to her in the email, we, we definitely want to have you come on and talk about um, anosmia on, um, on February 24th. And then if I didn't get the email back. Okay, and? And uh, so then I had somebody else have a look on the website, and all of the articles that are there are very old. Oh so I, I think there isn't much left of the Anosmia Foundation of Canada. So well, I, I mean, guess... And, you know, it's something that uh, maybe not be the highlight of all people's uh, thinking when it comes to problems, medical problems. But hey, you know, uh, we need, when you need support and information, where do you go? Yeah. Boy, if I'd known about it when I was a, a kid or, you know, as a, as a young adult, I would have been contacting them. But uh, so I'm thinking that what I might do, and this is nothing official, um, I might see if I can get one of those free websites going and call it uh, Anosmia Canada and oh. uh, put up uh, stories that uh, people have to uh, submit. And uh, there are lots of causes for a lack of uh, the sense of smell, uh, whether it's a sinus problem or um, another disease process. An accident, maybe? Yeah, uh, yeah, or, you know, a stroke or um, nose surgery or anything like that, um, maybe even uh, brain surgery um, near the uh, olfactory lobe, which is the uh, where the, the sense of smell comes from. And a lot of people ask me if, um, it, if it affects my sense of taste. And I tell them that uh, I can taste sweet and sour and uh, salty and bitter. And if you gave me a mint candy uh, and a uh, fruit-flavored candy, I could tell you the difference. But if you gave me a fruit-flavored, or at least a uh, cherry-flavored candy, you say, and a uh, strawberry-flavored candy, I couldn't tell you. How about a steak? Or a pork chop or something like a piece of spaghetti. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, and, and the other thing, too, is that I go an awful lot by texture. Ah. I cannot stand squash or pumpkin or porridge or anything mushy like How that. tapioca? No. No. <laughs> I know a lot of people uh, 
that went to uh, the blind school uh, were given often oh. tapioca. And as a result of that, look out. Yeah, and we got porridge every day. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I cannot stand stuff like that. But I think it has more to do with the texture than anything else. Now, when I was in my late 20s, I had a repair of uh, my cleft palate that I was born with, and I had to be on baby food for five weeks. Mm. And I thought, I don't know how I'm ever going to manage this, but I did, so I ended up getting the um, baby food with the tomato sauce, mm. which it made it more palatable, sort of. And uh, and I sneaked, um, you know, the instant mashed potatoes. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that, oh. but I did. <laughs> and uh, I also, my mother uh, happened to uh, come up from uh, the eastern townships of Quebec. At that point, I was living in... Oh, Toronto, I think. Okay, so they would have had lots and, of food for you. Uh, well, yeah, but I couldn't eat any of her homemade buns or anything like that. But she she uh, bought some uh, maple walnut ice cream, and and, and, she, and? and she took out the nuts <laughs> <laughs> and the bowl that I was going to have, and uh, I I. Um, I thought, well, if people who have their tonsils out can have ice cream, and maybe... jello, and jello. Oh yuck! <laughs> no jello. <laughs> oh horrors! No jello. No. Anyway, uh, I figured if they could have ice cream, then I probably could too. Mind you, I never told my plastic surgeon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that you were enjoying ice cream? That's right. Oh, he would have shot me at sunrise. Oh dear. <laughs> but you do have your favorites, right? Well, chocolate. Well, yeah. And yeah. maple. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted the uh, walnuts, but uh, my mother um, put the kibosh on that and said no. <laughs> well, so, you know, sometimes you just have to be very careful, I suppose. Yeah. Sneak yeah. a few, but yeah. not a whole lot. Oh, I, I, I didn't even get a few that day, uh, that time around. <laughs> well, but, like Carol, she loves ice cream as well. Yeah. But when you said pumpkin, you know, I have to have every once in a while... Some pumpkin pie, that's all uh, there is to it. Horrors. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> anyway, um, I just kind of, I, I would have loved to have had someone on here talking about anosmia, because I know there are people out there who uh, who uh, have to uh, uh, get through with it, you know, and manage and cope and that sort of stuff. Um, when the fire alarm in our building goes off, before I open the door, um, I always touch the uh, wall and the door to see if it's hot. Uh, because, you know, I, I couldn't tell you whether it was smoky or not out there. So, um, Well, that uh, also, if anybody's living in an apartment, this is something that they should uh, be aware of. That if they have a problem of that kind, that they have to have uh, smoke alarms for sure. And uh, be careful of uh, where they go uh, because there might be smoke uh, in the corridors or anywhere. Yeah. Well, we uh, it's uh, uh, the law that we have to have smoke alarms anyway, which is good. And they come around every, 
uh, fall in our building to uh, make sure that the batteries are still good and that uh, the smoke uh, detectors are operating the way they should. We also have uh, CO2 uh, in a detector in our uh, bedrooms, so um, you know to, uh, to uh, detect uh, carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide from cars or any other source you might have. And uh, one night uh, it uh, it started beeping, and boy, that made me move. I'll tell you, I I called the emergency uh, number and uh, said, I don't know what's going on, but anyway. So at eleven o'clock at night, our property. Uh, manager uh, came in and come to find out someone had unplugged it now whether frankie did it uh, or whatever but it wasn't uh and i never thought to make sure that it was plugged in it was going off so i figured it must be plugged in but uh anyway uh, i I understand that as the batteries if they run on batteries and the battery goes down then they'll start beeping a little bit until the battery is completely dead yeah i couldn't risk waiting until morning though right uh you know because i did want to wake up (laughs) so yeah anyway so uh, yeah the lack of of a sense of smell does have its um uh, drawbacks from time to time a lot of people say to me oh you're lucky you don't have to smell that person that uh uh, slathers on the the perfume or you don't have to smell a skunk or but occasionally it comes in, in handy. Yes, especially if it's a skunk. Yeah. As <laughs> well, you it, know, uh, Devin, we haven't got a whole lot more of time. All right. I, I'm sure that we want to thank uh, our two guests and, of course, the uh, Marine that we uh, had an interview with and uh, Victoria and Eva there that came in. And boy, oh boy, what great folks they are. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see you next week, folks, with uh, more great guests. And uh, uh, we'll uh, put on a little music here so that um, we can transition into the next show. So stay tuned. And have for a good afternoon and a good evening. Bye for now. Bye-bye.